What's the easiest choice you can make? Window instead of middle seat? Picking a vendor who sends a great gift basket? Outsourcing business tasks you hate? What about selling with Shopify? Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage? Shopify is there to help you grow. Whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits, Shopify helps you sell. Wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify's got you covered. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash try. Go to shopify.com slash try now to grow your business, no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash try. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Six games down, six games victorious. But Saturday night in South Bend, Lincoln Riley's Trojans come to the start of a road to glory. A perilous plunge through historic rivals, an arch nemesis, and a couple of surefire Heisman Trophy contenders. Standing in their way to start, America's most battle-tested team, the 5-2 Fighting Irish. Fresh off three brutally exhausting epics. Will they be up for a fourth? Can the Trojans in battle defense answer the bell against the nation's most experienced passer? It's USC. It's Notre Dame. It's time for the rubber to meet the road. Raina Troy Hotline. Alicia, Michael, what's going on? We know you have takes. We have takes. I'm actually surprised that your rant line, raid line, whatever, isn't completely full. Why can't we just win a game? Can I blame Michael Castillo for this? Can I blame Bob Connolly for this? Can I put on a zebra shirt and just go out there? Scratch. Claw, up against the wall. Can't explain that what I'm feeling right now, guys. I can't believe it. Let's open up that race Woohoo! Oh, I can't believe USD has hired Lincoln Riley. Oh, yeah. Hello, everybody. Welcome back to Rain of Troy Radio, episode 511, coming to you on Wednesday, October 11th. We're going to preview USC and Notre Dame, the Trojans and the Fighting Irish locking horns at Notre Dame Stadium in South Bend Saturday nights. 4.30 p.m. Pacific on WNBC. Uh, I'm looking forward to it. I hope you guys are looking forward to it. We're going to preview it here on this show. As always, you can follow us on Twitter, Rain of Troy. Like us on Facebook, facebook.com slash Rain of Troy. Be sure to subscribe to us on a- Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, which I, I learned no longer exists, by the way. Not Stitcher. Uh, Spotify, though. You can find us on Spotify. And, of course, YouTube, where we are live right now. Uh, as always, email address randomtroyfansite.com and our phone number, 818-643-7227, Second Whisper and Show. I'm your host, Michael Castillo, joined along with my co-host here in the Rancho studio in Los Angeles, Alicia Dertol. Hello, everybody. Hello. Uh, it is 
it's got to be your most most favorite uh, week of the year. It's it's USC going up against your alma mater. <laughs> uh, this pumped. is this are is you? the time of year when I need to clarify for all of our new listeners or those who have forgotten that I attended Notre Dame High School. Notre Dame High the School in thing. Sherman Oaks. It's the same thing. Which is run by the, the order it's the whole the same by thing. the order uh the religious order, the same religious order that mm-hmm. runs Notre Dame, Holy Cross, yeah. also runs Notre Dame High School in Sherman Oaks. Right, which means and it's the same thing. So I did uh I did come up as a Notre Dame High School uh, golden uh sorry, not golden was it golden or black? Either way, the knights. We were the knights. Do you not remember your high school's mascot? No, because there was a specific di- variation between like the there was a golden knights and a black knights, and I think we were the black knights, but I don't remember. Either way, either way, we were the knights. The Notre Dame NDHS, mm-hmm. not the days, but the knights. NDHS yeah. is my is my alma mater. Not Notre Dame University. Not the University of Notre Dame. Uh-huh. I am not one oh. of the Fighting Irish. Although we did have the same fight song in high school mm. as Notre mm-hmm. Dame. But uh, seems to me it's all the same. We would just say, you know, nights, nights, nights instead of anything like go Irish. So, yeah. yeah. Uh, yeah. As Uma Guma in the chat says, potato, potato. Yeah, same thing. Yeah, Ernesto in the chat says, for the longest time, my dad thought Alicia went to Notre Dame. Yeah, she did. This is she, why she, I need to clarify yeah. that when Michael says it's my, my alma mater, he means Notre Dame <laughs> High School. It's the same thing. Not Notre Dame University. Yeah, yeah it's the same thing. Uh, of course, uh, Notre Dame High School in California, even though there's plenty of Notre Dame High Schools, I think there's like one in every the state, home, the Notre Dame High School, the home of, of uh, Trojan legends like uh, Garrett Green, like... Uh, the Horton Brothers? The, well, yeah, Wes, Wes and Shane Horton. Um, Justin Fargus? Justin Fargus, that's mm-hmm. correct, yeah. yeah. Uh, I mean... Oh, also it? like Dane Christ and those who went to Notre Dame University as well, but yeah. Well, that high school yeah, U- USC, in California. I believe, yeah, USC Psycho, I think, also went to NDHS. So. Uh, our, our friend uh, Simon from Simon Traveler Hits Thursday. Yeah. The yeah. USC podcaster room, uh, you know, Simon, you, me, Psycho. The, the oh. point is the high schools in California – the yes. university is in Indiana, Indiana. Yes. a state that's important because, ladies and gentlemen, you can join DraftKings over there and help support the show because Trojan fans, DraftKings is running a new promotion that you won't want to miss. New users can place a $5 first bet to instantly, instantly claim 200 bucks in bonus bets. You'll also be rewarded with a separate no-sweat single-game parlay every single day when you opt in. All you have to do is sign up with our code Reign of Troy, all one word. And using our, our code Reign of Troy not only gets you these great bonuses, but also helps you directly support the podcast when you're in Indiana this week to support the Trojans. So uh, if you're considering signing up for DraftKings, be sure to use the code Reign of Troy. Of course, this offer is only available for new customers who are 21 plus and physically present in legal gambling states such as Indiana, Illinois, Michigan, any of those those states that you're probably going to be near in. Or maybe you're taking a flight and you got a layover in, in I don't know, in, Denver. Um, or... the Denver works, yeah. 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 You got a layover in Connecticut? Weird, <laughs> weird that you would, but if you do, <laughs> hey. you're flying through Hartford or something. Yeah. Yeah, you know, that, that works. Uh, anyways, um, please... 
Uh, as always, um, gamble responsibly. Uh, the new offer is only available to those who are 21 plus and physically present in legal gambling states. Uh, and check the episode description for the full terms for the offer to see if you qualify. There you go. We've done it. Uh, Alicia, it's a big game. I think we just need to get right into it. So I'm going to hit the news drop, even though we don't have news, and pretend like it's the chime to get into the, the preview. So, all right. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Save big on Brunch for Mom, all in the Kroger app. Get half gallons of delicious Kroger milk for $1.29 each. Then get flavorful Tyson Natural Boneless Chicken Breasts for two forty nine dollars a pound, all with your card and a digital coupon. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today, or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details. The news, the news is that Zachariah Branch is practicing. There you go. That's the news. That's big. Li- limited participation, but practicing. That's big because when I was looking through the stats earlier, Notre Dame is like 120-something in kickoff um, return defense. Yeah, so it would be nice to there have you go. Zachariah Branch in this game. Yes, absolutely. There's there's a little nugget for you. Uh, let's talk about the, 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 the matchup, USC and Notre Dame, Lock and Horns. For the billionth time, the great intersectional rivalry, uh, the last time in the Pac-12 era, which does not matter because it's not a Pac-12 opponent. Uh, the Irish are 5-2, and two, coached by Marcus Freeman. Uh, he's 14-7 and seven in 21 games. The last meeting, of course, between the Trojans and the Irish. Uh, last year, 38-27, a win for USC in the last game of the year at the Coliseum. Uh, Notre Dame, 5-2, and two, but they are in a crazy stretch of games uh five and two after losing to ohio state three weeks ago barely beating duke needed to pull out like a was it a fourth and 17 mm-hmm. um on the, the final the last drive. minute yeah, yeah they to, scored scored a touchdown in 30 seconds left i think yeah uh to beat duke uh and then they kind of fell apart last week against louisville louisville uh on the road who's undefeated and looks pretty damn good so uh, they've had a tough road. Uh, the Trojans, their fourth straight undefeated ranked opponent, which is going to be difficult for them. Uh, the Irish ranked 21st in the AP and the coaches polls. Uh, a little bit better in the metrics. 12th in SP+, 12th in FEI, 16th in Sagarin. It won't be easy, and it especially won't be easy because of the weather. I pulled up the weather earlier today. The daytime, which this is going to be a 7.30 kickoff, so take that for what it's worth. 7.30 local, 4.30 Pacific. Yeah, 7.30 local time uh, in Indiana when you're there on your your, your DraftKings trip, of course. Mm-hmm. Uh, occasional light rain, high of 53 during the day, 
with a chance of rain at 70%. The nighttime, and the reason I read the day versus the night, because I, I've always wondered, when does what qualifies as night? I know it's after when, sunset. When the sun goes down, when obviously. The sun is but no like, longer present. Well, yes, yes. I I I I took third grade, but like with the weather, like when do they qualify this as night? Like what counts as night? Is it is it is six PM the same as three AM? That's a wide gap. You see what I'm saying? Like I don't know. It's difficult. Anyways, nighttime. Showers in the evening with some clearing out overnight. Low of 44 degrees. 50% chance of rain. So 70 during the day, 50% at night. Let's call it 60% for kickoff. Is that fair? Uh, Split sure. the difference? Yeah, I don't know. That, I don't know if that's how weather reports work, but sure. <laughs> Something like that. Either way, the weather will not be idyllic. Um, it doesn't sound like it's going to be you know, hurricane force stormage or anything like that. But uh, yeah. USC is also a team that traditionally doesn't have to play in uh, inclement weather. And so anytime mm-hmm. there is a bit of rain, it's something that is different that USC has to be uh, prepared for and also understand that might cause some some weirdness. Yeah. I, uh, Paul in the chat says, last time I checked, rain will affect both teams, not just USC as the national pundits think. Yeah, I... Rain does affect both teams. Um, I don't know how much it matters. Uh, it's always difficult to say. I think everyone sort of assumes that, oh, that means I won't be able to throw the football. Um, I don't know how much not that matters. They're also like playing on artificial turf. Um, so it's not like the field is just going to be mush. Yeah. Um, also, if it's 70% during the day and 50% at night... Uh, that's a 30% chance during the day and a 50% t- chance at night that it does not rain. Yeah. Yeah. So it's very possible it just doesn't rain. So it's just we'll some, it's just something USC has to be prepared for. And we've seen videos from practice where they're, you know, throwing water at uh, mm-hmm. the k- kick returners and, and everything like that. So that the, the, the they're doing the wet ball thing, which is definitely what you have to do. You have to be I'll, prepared for it. I'll uh, tell you where I, I'm worried about it from the SC side. Snaps. Yeah, well, the snaps have not been great. Snaps lately. and mesh points. Yeah. Uh, I don't want to get ahead of myself and, and have a major spoiler to something later on in the show. Uh, but uh, the Trojans have had issues with fumbles in the backfield, uh, whether mm-hmm. it be snaps or mesh point mishaps. Mm-hmm. So um, that's got to get cleaned up because that absolutely is the problem area. I'm more, I'm more so worried about that than I am about but even if the, it, the lack of you know throwing the football, even if it doesn't rain, that could still be an issue. That could still be something that USC needs to clean up and and be conscious of. Because mm-hmm. when it comes down to it, this game, it is a very tight game. Uh, like the 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 odds makers have it essentially as a toss up. Yeah. And when you're playing in that kind of game, turnovers are critical. Notre Dame lost last week to Louisville because they had five turnovers. Mm-hmm. You do not win games that you turn the ball over, uh, very, yeah. you know, more than the other teams. So uh, those kinds of things are all going to be part of it. And so cleaning up the snaps, cleaning up the mesh point, uh, and also making sure that everyone has ball security in mind throughout the game is going to be critical. Yeah, 100%. Uh, let's talk about the Notre Dame offense. Uh, the Irish ranked 24th in SP Plus on offense, uh, led by Sam Hartman, who's been... 
a quarterback in college football for about 96 years. Um, sporter of one of the thickest beards I've ever seen in my life. <laughs> like, I, on, on a scale of, like, Sidney Crosby to... What's what's a thick beard? He's like at the end of the thick beard <laughs> list. Like he he might be the guy. Like Sidney Crosby to the other end. You know what I mean? Yeah. Uh, it is a luscious luscious beard. Uh, sixty four point five percent completion percentage so far this season. Sixteen touchdowns, three picks, passer rating of a buck sixty eight point six, which is pretty solid. Uh, all three of those picks came last week against Lobel. Uh, and then the interesting part is you look at the splits. Uh, first four games of the year, Notre Dame looked like they had one of the best offenses in the country. They were up there with SC, Washington, and Oregon as the elite, elite, elite offenses. Then the last three games happened. Um, they faced really good defenses. They've played rough-ranked um, teams. And Sam Hartman's numbers have come down mightily, uh, 58%. Uh, completion percentage his yards per attempt went from 11.8 in the first four games against unranked opponents to just seven uh, yards per attempt the last three games three touchdowns and three picks in the last three games again all those three picks against Louisville uh, with a quarterback rating of a buck 21.1 which is nowhere near his quarterback rating versus unranked opponents which is 217 uh, what does that mean? Does that mean that this is an this is an offense that isn't good, or does it mean that this is an offense who has had a run of games a run of games against really really good um, defenses and past defenses? I don't know. I think that's going to be one of the questions that we're going to have to find out. We know that the Trojans more along the lines of an unranked defense uh, than a ranked team defense, if you want to put it that way. Um, but uh, it's going to be tough. Um, when we previewed the season and did our season previews, we went game by game, making all of our predictions. We got many a comment um, at the time because we predicted, we both predicted that SC would lose the Notre Dame game. There were many a comment, like, who is Sam Hartman going to throw to? Who's he going to throw to? And here we are in October, and I think the biggest question for Notre Dame on offense is, who is Sam Hartman throwing the football to? Uh, that's the big question. Uh, Mitchell Evans, the tight end, is the go-to target. 22 catches, 343 yards, and a touchdown. He replaces Michael Mayer, who was all everything last year uh, for the Iris at tight end. Outside of that, the receiver core is sort of all over the place. Chris Tyree, Jaden Thomas, uh, Jaden Greathouse, who I think has been battling an injury. Jordan Faison just moved over from the lacrosse team and is now on scholarship after catching two passes, including a touchdown for 48 yards uh, against Louisville last week. So I don't know what to make of the, the Notre Dame offense. Elite in the first four games, very sputtery since. Is that more about the defenses they've played? Is it about this offense maybe not being as good as those first four games and that was just a mirage? Hmm. What, do, what, what do you say? Yeah, I think... I think it's difficult. Um, you will look around the the country. I've I've seen and talked to some Notre Dame fans who are really really down on their offense. They're really down on their offensive coordinator. 
uh, who was a probably a questionable hire in the first place, so that's not necessarily a surprise. Um, there, people are very, very down on the Notre Dame offense, and I just want to pump the brakes on this idea that Notre Dame's offense is like trash. Is Notre Dame's offense elite? No, Notre Dame's offense is yeah. not in the same tier as USC, Oregon, Washington, LSU. Um, but that doesn't mean they aren't capable of being a very good offense. I think that people are mistaking the performances of the last three weeks for, well, it was all paper tiger in the first three weeks. The, the, uh, the defenses that they have faced in the last three weeks are all top 20 defenses in S&P+. Um, Ohio State's number six, Duke is 19, Louisville 18. Mm-hmm. By comparison, USC's defense ranks 61st in S&P+. Plus. So yeah. it's not even the same matchup for this, this Notre Dame offense. Notre Dame's offense should be looking at USC and thinking that they have the opportunity to put up points more similarly to what they did in the first uh, four games of the season. They had 40-plus points on the first three FBS opponents that they faced, and those were teams that that certainly have bad bad defenses. Navy ranks 98th, and and Central Michigan ranks 129th in SP plus defense. But NC State's defense is ranked 30th nationally, and they gave up 40 points to to Notre Dame. And uh, you know the SP plus stuff. It, it's not necessarily the end all be all, but it's important to note that USC's defense is not in the same class as Ohio State. Uh, Louisville or Duke in terms of their defenses. So don't get this idea that Notre Dame isn't capable of putting up as many points as the other offenses that USC has faced. Mm -hmm. This is still probably the, you know, maybe it's, it's um, competing with Colorado for the most dangerous passing offense that USC has faced. Yeah. Um, I, I would, I would pick Colorado ahead just because I think they have, better receivers mm-hmm. yeah, um, that's fair and, and well, i certainly... think that Tudor sanders even though i i wouldn't classify him as a runner uh he did beat se with his More legs mobile. at times right yeah. and uh i wouldn't classify sam hartman as a runner too but um not a stone foot guy so yeah. um but the 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 receiving core for notre dame is definitely where you look at the and, question mark yeah and think like i don't know where they have their playmakers but the thing is that it's not like usc's defense has needed the opposing team to have mm-hmm. spectacular playmakers to, to right. give up big plays um they are dealing with with injuries Jaden thomas and, and Jaden great great house are both coming back from hamstring injuries that are hamstring injuries are just notoriously the kind of thing that takes a little while to get over uh, so they're not going to be at 100 uh jordan phase on the the Dude who wasn't on scholarship this time last week is uh is looking like one of their more explosive explosive players, but we've seen USC give up explosive plays to everyone that they face. So it's not really to me a question of, well, Notre Dame doesn't have a great receiving core, therefore mm-hmm. USC's defense is going to be fine. Like the problem for USC's defense is that they have made every receiving core that they have played look like they are capable of of uh, um, of breaking off breaking off big big pass plays. On yeah. top of that, you know, Audric Esme is a really really good running back, and I think that one of the it's pretty clear to me that one of the reasons that Notre Dame had so much trouble with Louisville specifically last week 
and lost that game is because they didn't get their ground game going because Estime was completely shut down and only got 10 carries in that game. And the offense was sort of having to run through Sam Hartman and then he threw a bunch of picks. And that's just a recipe for burying a team. Well, is USC capable of holding someone like Audrey Estime to, you know, under 100 yards rushing? Mm -hmm. Uh that's a big question that I have for this defense. I don't think I've seen USC's defense really shut down a rushing attack to the degree that uh, that that they need to in order to be able to put the pressure on Sam Hartman that they want to be putting the pressure on. So, right. again, I go back to it's not that Notre Dame's defense is elite, but they have enough pieces in place there. I mean, Notre Dame's offense? Yeah, sorry, Notre Dame's offense. It's, it's not that they're elite. It's they just have enough pieces there that that – why couldn't they do some damage to USC when ASU did damage to USC? That's that's the thing. <laughs> I think that, you know, you, you can sit here and on one hand say, you know, maybe SC is getting Notre Dame at the right time. Their their offense has struggled the last three weeks. And I think there's a genuine question of, is it just because they were playing good defenses or is this more in line with what Notre Dame's offense is? But you can't really take that completely seriously when you have a defense of SC sort, which gave up 41 points on the road to Colorado, a team that we talked about all week had matched up well and played well in the first half and then just crumbled in the second half against Colorado. Mm -hmm. uh, a defense that spotted Arizona 17 points early on in the game, right? Um, it's really difficult. It's really difficult to say that that stuff. Um, we got a question in the chat from... Uh, from Tim in LA who says, I want, no, I need the return of the rot index. Offense and defense have been struggles the past week. So we're in the magic numbers for both sides of the ball. Um, the rot index uh, that we used to have, yeah. which was basically <laughs> just, here's the number. And if SC scores more than this number, then they should win whatever it is. Um, we ended up scrapping it because it, it ended up just not really working all the time. Even though well, it, I, I liked the, it as a talking point until uh, our friend Richard was like, isn't that basically just what the prediction is? I was like, yeah, that makes sense. Yeah, yeah, but the Rod Index also got tired because Clay Hilton teams were just always the same thing every right. single week. So it wasn't yeah. like... <laughs> so The Rod Index probably works way better as a discussion point for this particular team. I think team. it works great for this defense because we were talking about it in the car cast, um, you look at, I think, genuinely, the rod index starts at 28 for every single opponent. You just start at 28. No matter who you're facing, it's 28. Expect them to score 28 points. The better the offense is, you add more points. Uh, are they a, a offense that has a good quarterback and a good running game and all those things? Okay, move it up to 35. Is it an offense that is truly elite? move it up to 42 just in a very basic guideline right mm -hmm. if it's a if it's a bad offense maybe move it down to 21 if it's a historically bad offense move it to 14 right like yeah but you start at 28 and i think when you're talking about this notre dame team you start at 28 and then consider that it should be on the upper side of that probably based on sam hartman's experience and all of that, they the have question, a better they the, have a better offensive line than Colorado. Yes, they have a quarterback, the better quarterback than ASU. 
Um, they have a better running back than any of those teams that USC has faced. Mm-hmm. And they probably have the least inspiring receiving core that USC has faced this and thus it's on far. The but they probably they might have the best tight end that USC will have faced so far. So Yes. Yeah. You know. But it's on the road. And so because of Notre Dame's form, I'm hesitant to put the index at thirty-five. I'm hesitant to give them that full seven. Oh, I'm I'm fully ready to give them that personally. Be- I'm at be- thirty-five because of Notre Dame's form. So I think for me, it's at thirty-one. Expect that Notre Dame's going to score thirty-one points. If you're going to beat Notre Dame this week, you have to score more than thirty-one points. Yeah. Is, is that, I is mean, that fair? I yes, I I'm personally willing to go to to thirty-five. Okay. I think USC has to score at least 35 points to have a chance to win this game. That's fair. I think that that's valid. Uh, anywhere in that window, uh, low to mid thirties, mm-hmm. I think, I think is, is the number. And I think if SD is going to win the game, uh, they're going to have to score uh, a fair amount of points. Um, of course, they're going to have to do that against anybody. Let's talk about the USC defense going again, going against the Notre Dame defense. Uh, the Irish 10th in the country in SP plus on defense scoring D just allowing 15.9 points a game. Uh, then again, the Trojans number one, the number one scoring offense in the country. Uh, what does that mean? It means that SC reliably can score points even when they're not scoring points, uh, or even when the offense is not great last week, they were not great. They scored 28 points in regulation in a game in which the offense looked the worst they haven't had in a year. Uh, they still scored 28 points uh, in regulation. Overtime points that are just fantastical magic points. They don't really yeah. count, let's be honest. Um, but SC scored 28 points. Um, in this game, they're going to need to at least score that many. We just talked about it. You're probably going to want 31, 35 points, somewhere in there at least, uh, against Notre Dame. Uh, this is the defense that struggles maybe to make havoc plays up front. They don't get after the quarterback necessarily well. Uh, the pass rush isn't necessarily there. Uh, there's guys to watch like Howard Cross the third uh, at defensive tackle. I think it's going to be an interesting guy. 42 tackles, five tackles for loss, a couple of forced fumbles. Uh, JT, JT Bertrand in the middle at the mic uh, will be an interesting guy to keep an eye on, but the story for the Irish is in the secondary. Uh, Xavier Watts, two picks, 29 tackles, tackle for, uh, and a half for loss, uh, three pass breakups. Uh, then there's Benjamin Morrison, who has a pick, five PBUs and a tackle for loss at corner. These are the dudes. Uh, this is the is a pass D um, that is absolutely just bottling up, you know, opposing offenses. I don't know that they have played a a past uh, a pass offense of SC's caliber caliber certainly not but they don't allow much through the air um is this a concern for SC given that the Arizona game was a struggle for Caleb Williams mightily on offense yeah this is this is hard to say because uh, I think Notre Dame clearly has a good defense uh, but in truth they haven't really been tested in the air yet when uh when Ohio State and Kyle McCord are the the best passing offense that you have faced this year, you have not faced an elite passing offense, especially Ohio State as they currently are. Like I think by the end of the season, maybe Kyle McCord will, and and that offense will be a little bit more in sync and and feel and know what they are about. But 
clearly in the first half of this season, I don't think Ohio State's passing offense has been anything really to write home about. Um, so in that sense, this is their first true test against a passing offense that is that is just bonkers. And the thing about USC's passing offense is you can all you can point certainly to the fact that USC in the first six games have not played any really elite defenses themselves. Mm-hmm. But we're also able to base the 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 power of USC's passing offense on past results. This this isn't just a paper tiger that hasn't played anybody uh, on on defense. This passing offense was elite last year. They continue to be elite um, because Caleb Williams and uh, and the offensive scheme dictates that that is the case. So I am very curious to see how Notre Dame does um, against against sort of this this approach uh, from from USC because that's the one angle to me that could be USC saving grace here because if Notre Dame's defense is as stout as they've looked, you know, it, it bef- I, I think before the Louisville game, they were, they were looking really exceptional. Louisville started to show a lot of the cracks in that defense. Certainly at the end of that game, the, the, the defensive collapse in the fourth quarter against Louisville yeah. has got to be something that USC looks at and, and hopes to take advantage uh, from, from the offensive perspective. I, um, I think, I wonder if that's just body blow. Um, that's but that's the hard part too. Is is when you've played ranked team after ranked team after ranked team, and you're on the road. This is your not you're not not just your sec, not just your third ranked opponent, but your second ranked road game. Mm-hmm. And your the the two games before that were all decided in the final thirty seconds of the game. Right. Like yes, there is certainly. A, uh, an element of that 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 might just be might have just caught up to you uh, but at the same time USC is it's not like Notre Dame had any extra time to rest <laughs> you know after that Louisville game the body blow theory is still in play as USC goes to goes to Notre Dame and the the cracks in that defense are something that I think USC is going to want to absolutely exploit not just in the passing game but in in the rushing attack as well Notre Dame's run defense was not good last year um I think that uh, their their defense might have uh, improved slightly but maybe in the same way that USC's defense maybe got slightly better but still is is pretty bad on many many fronts um so we're going to talk in, in over under a little bit more about that but I think there's also an element of of this of will USC be able to keep the ball on the ground and uh and and also provide some balance that that is a way to unlock this Notre Dame defense as well. Cuz I think theoretically yeah. USC might be the most balanced offense potentially that Notre Dame will have faced this year as well. Yeah, I I I think it's going to be very fascinating to see what SC looks like because I wasn't worried about SC's offense at all until the Arizona game. Mm-hmm. Uh, we talked about it before that that it just it sort of felt like like nitpicking to you know to uh, point out the the struggles of the offense uh, up until the Arizona game where it's like Caleb Williams doesn't look doesn't look right here and the offensive um, line didn't look the offensive right. line doesn't look right uh, the run game is just not nearly as potent as it was before. I, I think the offense has been good enough to have a mulligan game 
and be allowed that. We saw it last year with the Oregon State game. It's very possible that that was just all that was the Arizona game. But we don't know that for sure. We got to see that. We got to, we have to, they have to prove that that was the case, right? So I don't know. I, I don't know what to make of this offense, but if anything else, I trust Caleb Williams more than anything else. I trust Caleb Williams more than any player in college football. Um, and he's the X factor that I don't think that Notre Dame uh, has faced. Uh, they faced an Ohio State team that didn't have CJ Stroud. They've, they faced a, uh, a Louisville team that didn't have a Lamar Jackson. Um, Caleb Williams is at the top of his game just in general. Um, and if he's able to, you know, play like he is in South Bend, then that's the factor that SC has in their favor that I don't necessarily think that Notre Dame can keep up with. We talk about like shootouts. There's a question in the chat about like, can SC win a shootout here? I think if there's a shootout, I don't like that. Absolutely. I think bodes well for SC uh, because if this turns into an absolute sprint where it's a shootout, I, I think SC has the massive advantage on offense to keep up with, with Notre Dame. Um, that way, and is Notre Dame going to be able to keep up? And Notre Dame's defense is too good where I wouldn't necessarily expect it to be a shootout, but yeah. I could see some sort of game where if things go right for SC, this ends up like last year's game. Where... Which was the game that Caleb Williams won the Heisman. Yes, so, like that's, right. <laughs> so yeah. Yes, in a shootout, yeah. USC has a chance. Um, I, that, I That wasn't a shootout, though, but no. like it was a game in which... SC got a lot of production even without, uh, while being more methodical. Yes. Um, And I think that they can, if they can do that, they can, you know, go out there, score 38 points, hold Notre Dame to that 28, uh, whatever it is, that's probably the recipe for the ideal win here um, for, for the Trojans. But a lot of, I mean, the recipe last year would be absolutely the ideal win for USC here. But so much of that, too, was about USC physically setting a tone in right. that game, particularly on the ground. Mm-hmm. And it's harder to trust at this stage. Like, when they don't have Voorhees. When they don't have Voorhees yeah. and they don't have uh, Nilan and they don't have the, the guys who led the way on that offensive line in that game against Notre Dame, most of them are gone. And the replacements coming coming from last week certainly got a, a little a little bit um a little bit exposed against against Arizona mm-hmm. and that is my big question mark i'm not saying that usc can't do the same thing as they did last year yeah it's a question of how do the guys who who didn't get the job done last week respond going on the road to Notre Dame uh, and having to try and create that physical statement that USC made at the Mm -hmm. Coliseum to recreate it in South Bend. I think that's a difficult, difficult job and a difficult thing for me to pin my hopes on, I guess. Yeah, I, I, I agree. I think the the only other, the only other thing I would say is the last two times the Trojans have been to South Bend, they've lost 2019 and 2021. I don't know that even though Sam Hartman is a better quarterback than Notre Dame has had in a while, I don't know that Notre Dame as a team is massively different than either one of those two teams. And I thought SC played 
very well in both of those losses. Um, all things considered. The 2019 game, Keaton Slovis, I thought he had the best game of his career. Mm-hmm. Um, Ooh, obvi- three-point loss, yeah. Uh, obviously, like he, he toured Stanford, but like, the most impressive game of his career was the Notre Dame loss in 2019. Um, uh, you know, as he answered the bell. Um, in 2021, they're without a head coach. They they had many opportunities. That All things considered, they, they they played well enough to have a better result, uh, but they still, you know, the scoreline wasn't there, but, you know. They had their chances. They had their chances, yeah. but, like, it was the Dante Williams era and, uh, you know, whatever. Yeah. Um. So I think, I don't necessarily think that South Bend is this overly scary place to play but the Trojans haven't won there since 2011 which makes it difficult in that sense but I think that if SC answers the bell um, and is able to move the ball on offense kind of like they did in 2019 uh, then I think then things will bode well that's that's where it starts it starts on offense uh, as, as frustrating as that may be um, in this era of what USC football is that's 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 what it is you need your offense to be elite more than anything. The, it, this absolutely does come down to USC's offense against Notre Dame's defense. And I think a lot of the focus going into this game is on Notre Dame's offense against USC's defense. Yeah. Which to me is is the, the most obvious outcome here is just that USC's defense will give up points and Notre Dame's offense will maybe sabotage themselves a few times mm-hmm. to not like go crazy and score 40 the way that we expect other elite like the big time offenses USC plays right um the the big question that I have is whether or not USC's offense is capable of scoring the 40 points in this game against a good defense against Mm -hmm. a defense that's gonna have more of a chance of slowing them down the way that Arizona slowed them down uh that uh that's the matchup for me It, it comes down to how much is USC's offense able to to carry everything else? Yeah, uh, let's get to over under. It's a it's a it's a big one, and I'm excited about this one because I think the lines are good. I think I think it's going to be an interesting conversation here. So you're going over. I'm feeling bold. Give me that over. I go under. I got to take an under here. I got three unders to take. I'm going to do an under here. All right, let's start. The standings going into this, I have a lead 20 and 16, baby. Hell yeah. Uh, and you are just a lowly 17 and 19. Mm. Mm. Realistically, it's probably going to switch this year, this week. You'll go six and oh, and uh, and, uh, and I'll be the help. one all boober faced, but we'll yeah. see. Uh, let's start with your first over under. What do you got? I got 191.5 Notre Dame rushing yards, which is such a high line, but there's a reason behind this. So five of the six USC opponents so far this season have either had their season high or their second best rushing performance of the season uh, against FBS opponents. I took I took uh, Notre Dame's. Um, I was I took. The non FC the FCS opponents out of the equation, whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, Which is weird to have to say with Notre Dame. Not with Notre Dame. With oh, the opponents. With, with like, the opponents. Yeah, with yeah, everybody yeah. else who played an FCS opponent, I didn't yeah. count because everybody who played an FCS opponent had their season high rushing. <laughs> so I was like, this sure. is this is pointless. 
So San Jose State had 198 yards. That was their season high. Stanford had 209 yards. That was their season high. Colorado, 193 yards. That was their season high. ASU, 90 yards. That was their second best rushing performance of the season. Arizona, 203 yards, second best of the season. The only team that USC has played so far that did not have their first or second best rushing performance of the season uh, was Nevada, who had a a season low of 49 yards, which is just sort of random. Mm -hmm. Now, Notre Dame's rushing high of the season was against Central Michigan. They had 236 rushing yards in that game. Their second best rushing performance of the season was 191 point, 191 yards against Navy. So my line is 195, 191.5 because it's a question of whether or not Notre Dame will have their best or second best rushing performance of the season so far. For some reference, they only had... 44 rushing yards against Louisville. Louisville has a good rushing defense, a good defense overall, and one of the big reasons why Louisville was able to do to Notre Dame's offense what they did is because they completely shut down that rushing attack and forced Sam Hartman to force the ball and turn the ball over. So Mm -hmm. if USC wins this game, I think a lot of it will come down to whether or not they are able to limit the Notre Dame rushing attack um, to the degree that they they aren't getting run run over the way that we have seen them get run over by many 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 teams. Yeah, I mean that's the problem. You look at you know at the last trips to Notre Dame, twenty twenty one, SC gave up a, a buck seventy. Twenty nineteen, three hundred and eight. Uh, twenty seventeen, it was three seventy seven. Uh, two fourteen in twenty fifteen. It's it's been a lot. Um, everything says to take the over here. Literally everything says to take the over. Let's get nuts. Um, <laughs> I'm taking the under, uh, and I'm taking the under for one reason. I think that we know that SC makes a lot of negative plays. Uh, that includes sacks. That includes tackles for loss. I think Notre Dame gets over 200 rushing yards in positive yardage when you talk about net yards which is what rushing yards is SC barely gets the under here barely it just seems high it, it seems, seems high. so I, high mostly because they're coming off of 44 against Louisville and I know yeah. that SC doesn't have the rush defense that Louisville has yeah. but it just seems seem a little high yeah. a little high um I'm going to regret that one, but we'll see. <laughs> we'll see. Uh, my first over-under is four and a half Notre Dame tackles for loss. Uh, the Trojans allowed a season-high seven tackles for loss against Arizona after not allowing more than four. Uh, it had been four or fewer in each of the first five games of the season. Notre Dame ranks 120th, 120th. And tackles for loss per game at 4.29. Notre Dame's defense, great in, as a pass defense, but they do not make a lot of havoc plays up front. Kind of like the inverse of the SC defense in that way, uh, mm-hmm. by the way. Uh, 120th nationally in, in tackles for loss that they generate. SC 25th in preventing them and exactly four per game. Notre Dame's average in getting them, by the way, 4.29. So the line is four and a half. Notre Dame tackles for loss. Can they get above four? 
Um, only Arizona's done it. Can they? Can they do it? Um, I am taking the under on this out of pure respect for Caleb Williams and his ability to um, to escape and to to get away. Um, I I don't like like Duke and Louisville giving up six and five makes me a little bit more nervous about this one. But I still got I gotta take the under just because this isn't a defense that's that's selling out for the havoc plays. And I think natural sacks are gonna be difficult for them to uh achieve just because of the Caleb Williams of it all. All right. Um I think that's fair. Uh I sort of agree with that. Um Except, but I think it could just be four. So I'm, I, I'm happy with taking that under. <laughs> yeah, no, no, that's fair. I, I yeah. think that it's, it's a high line for sure. Um, I think it. This also depends on. I don't believe things like fumbles that you recover in your own backfield count as a tackle for loss per se. Mm-hmm. Um, so, spoiler alert to the future, by the way. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, I think that's fair. I think that's fair. Uh, it's gonna it's gonna be if this if this is an over for Notre Dame that's bad news, okay. uh, absolutely bad news for SC. Yes. Uh, let's go to the next one. What do you got? I got four point five USC yards per carry. Um, sticking with the ground game over unders because I think this is where this is where a lot of the interest and intrigue and and the the little the the small margins that are gonna be won or lost in this game. Last year, USC set the tone against Notre Dame with Austin Jones on the ground. He carried the ball 25 times, 154 yards. USC gained 204 yards on the ground. They averaged 5.23 yards per carry. We went into that game knowing that Notre Dame's rush defense was vulnerable, and USC took advantage, set, made a statement physically up front, and ran the ball. They, cho- they chose to run the ball in that game. Um, in the last three weeks, Notre Dame has been susceptible to the run. They have given up 4.6 yards per carry in their to their last three opponents: Ohio State, Duke, Louisville. Mm-hmm. Um, that was after starting the season looking stronger in terms of run defense. They had only given up 3.04 yards per carry to their first three FBS opponents. Now the problem with this. The reason I didn't go higher necessarily is because USC averaged 3.8 yards per carry against Colorado, averaged 4.42 yards per carry against Arizona. It's tricky with this because sack yardage is counted, and I hate that, and that's stupid, but Mm -hmm. them's the breaks. I just don't want to have to be calculating things crazily in my... Hey, step broadcast makes it easy. This is true. Yeah. Um, but, uh, But USC, USC also before those last two games had been running the ball extremely well with stupid high averages. Mm -hmm. So this will be a really interesting matchup, not just about whether or not USC is capable of running the ball, but whether they choose to run the ball uh, and and whether or not they go out there and try to set the tone again in a very similar way. Yeah, I am going to uh, beckon the chat here and echo the chat and take the over on four and a half... Uh, yards per carry for the Trojans. I, I, I don't know that SC is going to run the ball greatly uh, against them. I don't think they're going to have like a, 
you know, seven yards per carry average, even though if they did, that's a win immediately. If SC has, if SC averages yeah, if seven yards seven, per carry, it's like an automatic win. Seven yards per carry and they only run the ball five times. Well, okay. <laughs> touche. Touche. Maybe, yeah. maybe not, but, yeah. um, and it's I, and it, on the graphics it's it's yards per rush because yards per carry was too long it wanted to go down as two lines it's the same for, thing. for yeah. the record in the in the chat yeah. the question of it yeah I so the the way the way I see it um I think SC absolutely can get to four and a half um last year they were over four and a half in literally every game until the Pac-12 championship game where there when there were those injuries on the offensive line. Yes, the the Arizona game and the Colorado game are concerning. Uh, two games in a row, the SC is sort of under that. I just have to think that they can find a way to get back over that, especially if, if Zach Branch, Zachariah Branch is back in. I think that maybe adds a little wrinkle for two reasons. One, maybe it brings back sort of those option plays that they had uh, in the first week of the season against yeah. San Jose State, unless that was just put it on film BS that doesn't matter, which I think is possible, by the way. Um, or they have to account for him, and they have to put another guy on the, the field to account for him, which maybe puts fewer guys in the box, and uh, then that's more opportunities to run that way. Mm-hmm. Um, so I don't know. I don't think four and, four and a half yards is too much to ask for. SC doesn't have to gash them, and they can still get four and a half yards per carry. So, that's where I am. Okay. Yeah. Uh, all right. What's your uh, What's your next one? It's your next one. Oh, it is my next one. Yeah, it is my next one. Uh, yeah, I would play the the chat is wanting me to play the uh, choose not to run, but uh, I don't have the full soundboard set up right now. Uh, the the small soundboard. It's it's not on there right now. Sorry, I'm sorry in advance. Uh, I will. I will just here. Let's let's do it. Ready? Because I choose not to run. <laughs> there it goes. Maybe I will, Lois. Maybe I will. Uh, okay, I'll I'll stop quoting Seinfeld. It's, we're, people are tuning out left and right. Here we go. Uh, my next over under is over under six point zero zero five USC yards per play. Uh, why? Because uh, the Trojans' 7.15 yards per play last year against Notre Dame was exactly one whole yard higher than anyone had put up against the Irish. Uh, Navy had 6.15, but Notre Dame's average last year was 5.15. The Trojans did two whole yards better than that when they played them. This year, Notre Dame's defense is better. They're holding teams to 4.44 yards per play. That's 11th in the country. That's very good. Uh, although, in the last three weeks, it's at 5.2. Uh, when you play Ohio State, Duke, uh, and, and Louisville. So, Ohio State averaged 5.63 yards per play in South Bend three weeks ago on that very plastic field. The Trojans are second in the country in yards per play at 8.45. I don't think it's a crazy ask to ask for SC to get to, to six. To get over six, but that's where the line is. Uh, 6.005 yards per play for USC. I am smashing the over on this one. I feel Ooh. I feel pretty good about doing the over. Uh, I just, I think that we, 
I, I am not going to bet on USC's passing offense being as toothless as it was against Arizona. Uh, I think I, I think it's safe to say that Caleb Williams will throw the ball better mm-hmm. than he did against Arizona, and by that alone, I think that the the yard per play, uh, the yards per play will be better than they were against Arizona. So I'm 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 pretty bullish on taking the the over there. That, that's that's a, I think that's a very good spot, even if Caleb isn't the Caleb that we saw against Colorado for mm-hmm. the first three quarters, or the Caleb that we saw against Stanford. Yeah. There is a Caleb in between that Caleb and the Caleb that was the that played against Arizona, and that's right? still and that's better than uh, six six yards per play. Yeah. Yes, exactly. Uh, let's get to your last over under. What do you got? I got five point five third downs converted by Notre Dame. Now this is really interesting. Um, USC has not held a team under five third downs converted this year except for one Stanford had four um USC forces a ton of third downs they are like top 10 top 15 in terms of third downs faced this year but they give up a lot 39 percent not a good not a good metric for USC on on that front and and it's one of the big reasons why USC's defense is what it is because they have a really really hard time getting off the field Mm -hmm. um Interestingly enough, Notre Dame has a really hard time staying on the field. <laughs> they have not converted more than five third downs this season against an FBS opponent. The only time they have converted more than five was their FCS opponent this season. They also face a ton of third downs, but they don't do a good job of converting them. Their conversion uh, rate is is pretty poor. Against Duke, they were three of 15. Against Louisville, they were 3 of 13. That's real bad. No wonder they struggled offensively. So I'm I'm sort of just looking at it and thinking, well, is this is this the, you know, movable object meeting the stoppable force? Yeah. Uh and and who who comes out on top in this very very like not good uh me- I- metric battle? I, I and I'm mad at myself for not having it at 4.5 for the record, but it's just because we're just gonna have a million 4.5 lines. Yeah. Well, yeah, that too, but also because USC has given up five third downs converted, like more often than not this season. That's sure. that's their number that the USC defense gives up. They just love giving up five. Uh, so I should have just done it at 4.5. But uh, we're stuck. We're fine. I first of all, this is such a weird thing for me, my brain to comprehend because I only look at third downs as conversion rate. Like that's that's what my brain mm-hmm. logs. The number does not matter to me. It was eight of sixteen for Arizona, nine of nine of eighteen for Colorado, for the record. Yeah, it's and, and really so bad. It is, yeah, but that th- that number doesn't really log for me. And I mm-hmm. think that the other, th- <laughs> I think that. If Notre Dame is able to move on this defense, which we think that they will be, obviously, right? Um, then I think that that means long drives, given that I think that's probably the middle, the sweet spot, because Notre Dame has, str- has struggled on the on offense the last three weeks. Um, SC is a defense that we know is willing to give up yards and those things and big plays. I think the middle ground is probably that that means that Notre Dame just is able to go on longer drives. 
than anything. And that's the middle, the, the sweet spot be- between whether or not Notre Dame is, you know, better than the last few weeks on offense versus, versus what they will be against SC. So I think they could easily get the over here and not necessarily be like a great third down team. Um, like they could, it could be six of six of 18. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like it could be six of 18 where they, they get three third downs on one drive. Like, I, I don't think that that's crazy to ask for. Um, so I'm taking the over, I'm taking the over. Okay. And, and then there's always the possibility that they're just Buffo on third down and SC has no answer. Uh, and they go, you know, eight of 12 or something and then get the over that way. So either way, I think the over is, is the right pick here. Um, let's go to my last one, which is going to be everyone's favorite, probably, um, over under one and a half USC backfield fumbles. Here's what we're calling a backfield fumble, a fumbled snap or a botched mesh point Mm -hmm. handoff. Uh, or Caleb just fumbles in the backfield, whatever. So like fumbles a, on a snap. Like a, fum- does a strip sack count? A strip sack counts. Okay. So fumbles I, that are behind the line of scrimmage. Yes. The only thing I'm not going to count is a fumbled bubble screen or something okay. like that to okay. a receiver. That's not the spirit of what this okay. is. A fumble between the tackle boxes. Sure. Yes. But if Caleb gets tackled outside of the box and strips, like, you know, you know what I mean? Yeah, yeah, I know what you mean. Yeah. If Caleb or a running back or the snap is fumbled. We will, we will be able to, we will evaluate and agree with what, what the spirit of this, of the, of what a backfield fumble counts as. Yeah. Yes. Zach Branch fumbles a a bubble screen that doesn't count here, but unless Zach Branch is the mesh man. Which again, we will we, you know. we will be the determiner. Michael and I will agree on what this number is at the end when we are yes. calculating what over under is. So I'm so confused as to what the numbers are because CFP stats says that the Trojans have fumbled nine times, um, nine times, which is a hundred and second in FBS, but they've only lost three of those nine. SC, their own stats say that SC has fumbled eight times. I went through like the play by plays and I could only find uh, like seven fumbles. So I'm confused exactly what the number is. Either way, the last three games for sure, SC has fumbled twice in the backfield against Arizona, had one fumbled snap at Colorado and had two fumbles in the backfield against ASU. So five in the last three games, for sure. That's that's the for sure point. Mm-hmm. Uh, Sagar in the chat says, is that fumbles lost, key difference? No, this is just fumbles. Just fumbles. Just fumbles. Yeah. Um, if it's fumbles lost, that's bad news for SC, absolutely. <laughs> yeah. but, um, fumbles, just fumbles in the backfield. We know that the snaps have been an issue. We know that the mesh point has been an issue. One, it, it's I think one of the issues that Caleb needs to get better at is the mesh point, because I I think he tries to make the decision at the last possible moment, and sometimes that backfires. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, we saw it against Notre Dame last year. Sometimes it's beautiful when he can pull it at the last second hey. and literally take it back away from Austin Jones and then walk into the end zone and win yeah. the Heisman. It's not great when it ends up being a situation with Marshawn Lloyd where. 
no one knows who's getting the ball. So, yeah. uh, what what's what's your take over under one and a half fumbles in the back in the backfield? I have to go under on this. Okay. It is rainy. It's I know potentially, but it. I. Now we have seen USC have things that were plaguing them at certain segments of the season continue and continue and continue the bad, the total of mm-hmm. the non bad snaps and you know, all, all of that. Like we've seen that yeah. continue. Well, sorry to everyone's PTSD. Yeah. That just flared up. Yeah. <laughs> well, further than you would have ever just by the sheer sort of statistical value or sheer like luck or whatever that you would have assumed that at some point that would have been cleaned up and it just never did. So I'm not saying it's not possible that USC doesn't clean this up. Mm-hmm. I just have to think it's probable that after multiple weeks of mesh point issues, that this is something that they are focusing on in practice, that they will figure out, that they will get better at, that they will sort. I, I, I actually think this is a case of optimistic. I have to believe that this <laughs> won't be an issue in this game. Uh, right. I'm already feeling pessimistic enough about this uh, this matchup. I, I, I can't go this far. It's It's a step too far. All right. All right. Uh, let's get to uh, our score predictions. Um, Alicia, I'm excited to see what you say here because, well, I know what you say. I'm literally looking at the rundown that's written in there. Um, but I'm excited to hear how you explain it. Uh, Vegas, the Vegas line, Notre Dame, two and a half. Two and a half point favorites at home. Hey, that means SD's favorite in a neutral field. Hey, should have played the game in uh, Chicago at, at Soldier Field. Uh, yeah. Not that it would be completely neutral, could, but could play it at Wrigley. You know. Oh man, that'd be cool. Yeah. Except, uh, you know, yeah. Wrigley being available in October, maybe not. <laughs> uh, Bill Connolly's SP Plus uh, numbers have the Irish winning thirty point three to USC's twenty nine point nine. So the fascinating thing is uh, cfbgraphs.com, their numbers were like, it was something like 34, 35.24 versus 35.19. It is so even. It is so even by everything. SC and Notre Dame this week. Um, so much of this stuff is flip a coin. What do you got? I predicted before the season that USC would lose this game because it's the first tough road test and mm-hmm. USC has not played has not won a game in, in South Bend in a while and um I just didn't have a good vibe didn't have a good vibe especially with Notre Dame's defense looking pretty pretty good going into the season um the first 6 weeks of the season for USC have not convinced me otherwise mm-hmm. because I do not think USC's offense USC's defense has improved enough to that was what what was going to make me change my mind here is if USC's defense improved, I would be on board. That yeah. hasn't happened, so I'm not on board. So I'm I'm picking Notre Dame. I'm sticking with Notre Dame to win this game. My score prediction is 37-35, which flies in the face of the rod index. I really should have pushed more for 36. Um <laughs> or like 38 or something how, like how, that. How did they get to the 37? I have no idea. I so the, like a last second field goal? Something weird. Yeah, sure. Um Okay. I I just feel strongly that USC's defense is a baseline 28 and on the road 
with Sam Hartman and and Estime, who I, I really as a running back, I just think is is really really good, really dangerous. Um, that USC's defense will just give up, you know, mm-hmm. give eight, up eight points one, over that twenty-eight. Yeah, okay. we'll give up a, a you know weird field goal situation at some point, some weird something. A safety two point conversion. Soccer's is safety. Yeah. However, it happens. When is that safety? Oh man, yeah. is it the end? My God. Um, <laughs> however, it happens. Some whatever. I, I don't really put a lot of stock in the individual numbers on the on the score prediction. But my thinking is, I don't want to predict USC can't score thirty five points in any game. I thought it was weird that they couldn't do that in regulation against Arizona. Yeah. Um. So my baseline for USC was to score 35 points on a good defense. Like, that's the best that a good defense is going to be able to do against USC, in, in my opinion. Mm-hmm. And then from there, it's like, well, yeah, Notre Dame is possibly two points better than USC just because they're at home. So, yeah. yeah, I'm with the HR picking stuff in the chat, though. Like, I wouldn't touch this game 50-50. I, it's, I, I hate having to make a pick here because the thing is... Making a pick here and a score prediction means that you're sort of sticking your neck out on on the big questions that this game, I feel, leading into it are impossible to answer. Yeah. It is impossible for me to answer whether or not USC's defense or Notre Dame's offense will be more impotent. Um, it's impossible for me to say whether or not USC's offense will be capable of, of of being unstoppable the way that they have been more often than not this season but against a good Notre Dame defense that is that is potentially vulnerable like i i just don't feel good i don't feel good either way i can see this playing out in a million different ways yeah this is truly one of those games where it could be Nine to to twelve, or sixty seven to sixty five, and I honestly couldn't say that I was surprised by any of those outcomes because sure. it just has the feeling of a weird rivalry game going in. Uh, th- there is one thing I'm sure of in this game, and that it will not be a blowout in either direction. Yeah. Everything else, I think you're right. I think I think everything else is in play here. Um. I'm struggling with my I, I as I talk right now I'm stalling because I can't think of a actual number here so it's just gonna be thrown off the cuff. I will say this: if USC wins this game, it is a 38-28 win. The defense comes through just the 20, 28, but the average. <laughs> the defense comes through to hold them to that twenty-eight. Yeah. The defense finds a way to say that actually Notre Dame is sort of just average on offense and they get a couple stops and it's, it's yeah, it's that 38, 20, basically a redo of last year's game. That's if SC wins this game. That's what I think it is. Mm-hmm. If Notre Dame wins this game, I think it's similar in the inverse, but it's more of like a 34, 27 for Notre Dame. Does that make sense? Mm-hmm. So I think I split the difference between the two. And I think I just echoed the 2005 game, 34-31. SC wins. 34-31. I I think we're both in the agreement that it's just going to be 30-something to 30-something. And Yeah, I don't don't feel good about this uh, either way. Uh, And 
if you're if you're asking why am I going back on my preseason prediction, um, given that you know SC's defensive issues and all those things, and it's a road game, and yes, SC doesn't play hasn't played well on the road in a lot of games uh, under Lincoln Riley, and why am I going back on that? Maybe I'm just putting too much stock in the last three weeks for Notre Dame. I think for multiple reasons. Number one. I think the drop-off in having elite offensive numbers to very mediocre offensive numbers against good teams is alarming. Mm-hmm. Um, yes, USC's defense is not great. So, like, I'm not, not expecting SC's defense to hold them to 13 points or anything like that. Not at all. But I think that that's alarming to Notre Dame's capabilities on offense. And number two, I think that there's a very good chance that Notre Dame has just run like run ragged these last few weeks. They haven't had a bye week. They've played this is the fourth straight undefeated opponent that they're having to play. They get SC at home, which is a benefit. But coming off of the Louisville game, like I think the body blow theory absolutely is in play here for them. They have gotta be out of gas. Mm-hmm. And I think yeah. that that could be a role to to play here. Yeah. Um, outside of that, I don't know. So, uh, when in doubt, I ride with Caleb, I guess. So, 34 31 is my prediction. So, could go either way. Absolutely could go either way. Uh, let's get to the mailbag. You've got mail. All right, Alicia, let's start with the voicemail that we got. Hi. I would like to say this is Sporty, and I would just like to say. Lincoln Riley is not a top five head coach in college football. He's a top five offensive coordinator. That's all he is. You put him on Nick Saban Alabama team, and I guarantee you that they will win the championship right now. He's just offensive coordinator. That's all he is. And that's all he was in Oklahoma too as well. A top five officer, uh, head coach, a top five head coach period in college football. They have the brains to analyze the offense side, the defense side, and the special team side. And they would go out and they would get the best coaches or their staff. And then that way they can analyze the whole area. Uh, I'll be glad when he move on to the NFL or whatever he's going to do. I just can't take it no more. Their defense is trash. Dallas Grinch needs to go. Thank you. Bye. Thanks for the call. Uh, Alicia, what, what do you think? Is is Anyone who is sitting here, any USC fan who is sitting here saying that they'll be glad when Lincoln Riley leaves for the NFL is going to deserve what USC gets when, if or when Lincoln Riley leaves for the NFL. You can't have just spent the last 10 years being absolutely just not in the national conversation because the head coaches were not of, a, of, a, of an upper tier level. And then get Lincoln Riley, who has literally taken teams to the playoff, who has literally won 11 games a season every year, and then say, I can't wait for that guy to leave. It is it is outrageous to me. Also, yeah, I think it's funny that people, like, I, I, I will agree, Lincoln Riley is not a perfect head coach. Yeah. He has a blind spot on his defense. That's mm-hmm. perfectly fine. But, like, how many years did Nick Saban have a blind spot on offense where his every year you Alabama's defense offenses couldn't score 20 points in a big game. They were relying 100% solely won a title before that. Yes. Yes. But, but the point is that we see many, many other coaches out there 
rely on their specialty to be the identity of their team. And when it's a defensive head coach with a strong defense and an offense that can't move the ball, we don't have these same conversations. We only have these conversations about the offensive head coaches who haven't found the right defensive coordinator. Nick Saban hires somebody like Lane Kiffin. Nick Saban hires somebody like Steve Sarkeesian. And those offenses suddenly explode and take off and are and are and are awesome. And it makes a difference for that dynasty. It makes a difference. Mm-hmm. Like the idea that Lincoln Riley I will continue to say Lincoln Riley is a defensive coordinator away from being up there with, you know, the the top three head coaches out there. He needs to make that higher until he does. He is warranted that the criticism of him of him is warranted. But to look at what his teams have accomplished in his tenure as a head coach and say he is not a top five head coach to me is complete and utter madness complete I, and utter ma- because he's doing this without a defensive coordinator. Right. Well, I, I, I think it's fair to say that he's not a top five co- head coach, depending on whatever your top five is. That That's fine. Whatever. Well, I mean, I need to that's, hear who, who are you putting in the top five then? Because sure. every single person outside of Nick Saban and Kirby Smart that you put in the top five, I feel Has very, a fundamental flaw. Have v- very confident that I will be able to sit there and say, well, this is what they're not doing, or this is what they're not doing, or this is their weakness. This is the thing that they keep getting wrong. Right. So yes, to me, it's just, it's a misread of how many actually good head coach, like how many actually elite head coaches exist out there to say that, like to, to have this opinion. I just, I, I think there's a lot of USC fans who are living in a dreamland and I'm surprised that it's been this quick for people to forget to forget what it looked like to not have a to, to have a head coach who truly wasn't in the top five. I I think it's understandable to get to the point where you can be frustrated with how someone is winning. For instance, we talk about it a lot, but the, the Bo Pelini situation, right? Um, and see that, you know, that he wasn't gonna take the the next step and uh at in Nebraska and like, you know, be frustrated at that. But like that takes years to get to that point. We're a year and a half in, and people are already upset that Lincoln Riley is literally doing the exact same stuff that he did at Oklahoma, and that's supposed to be a con when he made the playoff twice as all these Heisman Trophy winners. Like, SC hasn't had that in recent history. Like, yeah. to the point where that's where I, yeah, just, I, I know that this team is flawed, obviously, but, like, take a deep breath. Just wait it out. The my main pushback though is that the idea that he's only a good offensive coordinator. We know coaches who are only good offensive coordinators and not great head coaches. We literally know those guys. Mm-hmm. One of them is named Steve Sarkeesian. When is Steve Sarkeesian taking a team as a head coach to the playoff? When has he had a Heisman Trophy winner that he's coached as a head coach? Mm-hmm. Coaches that like this this label of like coaches that are only a good offensive coordinator and not a good head coach. Cliff Kingsbury. Yeah. Cliff Kingsbury did not take Texas Tech to the playoff. Uh Cliff Kingsbury had Patrick Mahomes and could not win with him. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like I, I Lincoln Riley has a major flaw. Yes, a thousand percent over. We can talk about it. But like He's not Cliff Kingsbury. He's not Steve Sarkeesian. I like Sark. 
Mm-hmm. But like, he's. It's not that situation. It's yeah. not that situation. Yeah. Uh, let's get to a uh, email that we got. Uh, where is this? We got a new email from, from Davis. From Davis. Yes, is- we're gonna, we're gonna skip down a little bit. Um, long email, but I want to get to it uh, because I think it's sort of related to this. Um, from Davis, it says, "Hey, Rana Troy, this may sound rich coming from a guy who tweeted at Alicia." From the Coliseum on Saturday night that Alex Grinch is legitimately the worst DC in college football. That being said, I wanted to offer up some perspective that I think we can all use as a fan base right now. The year is 2018. A top five Oklahoma team goes on the road against a scrappy, outmatched Iowa State team and wins ugly. The next week, they come home to play Army and what everyone is sure will be a resounding bounce-back performance. The Black Knights shockingly give the Sooners all they can handle, taking them to overtime before narrowly losing 28-21. Oklahoma wins that. After the game, many Sooner fans wonder whether other teams have figured out uh, their previously unstoppable offense. Does that sound familiar? That Oklahoma team, which also had an atrocious defense led by an embattled D.C., scored 66 the next week, went on to win 12 games, won its conference, and faced Alabama in the playoff. And its quarterback won the Heisman. And then there is 2022, where USC's offense looks totally inept against Oregon State, posts an uneven performance against a bad ASU team, and once again struggles through a grinded-out game against Wazoo. Of course, we all knew how the rest of the season ended. A healthy Caleb Williams, a hamstring away from the playoff. Despite our many flaws, I see no reason why this USC team can't put together a similar run the rest of the season. Curious if you both agree. Thanks for all your incredible work and fight on. Davis, class of 2020. Yeah, thanks for the email, Davis. Really, really good email. Um... You know I. You already know I agree. I agree. I think that uh, that there's some doomsdaying going on here. Um, that's not to say that I think that USC is set up to do the same thing as last year, or even the same thing that 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 Oklahoma team did in 2018. Um, mostly because the schedule this year, USC literally has the the toughest remaining strength of schedule in the country. Mm-hmm. So the schedule itself is so very difficult to the point where you can't even you, you, USC could lose a couple games and it would just be one of those things where the defense didn't get better the way that they needed to and the consequence for that is is a couple losses yeah. down down the line maybe even three losses down the line um, and you you have to sort of hope that that's a learning experience for Lincoln Riley who needs to find his defensive coordinator um, but. When it like when it comes down to it, this is really good perspective about how people get very in their feelings about the in the moment stuff, and um, and and it it doesn't all have to be just downhill just because you struggled with Arizona. Like every yeah. team struggles every year with some random team. It's about making sure you get out with a win, and then give yourself the opportunity. Yeah. To continue winning. Matthew in the chat says all of Oklahoma's Big 12 schedules are very light. I think comparatively to this schedule, yes, I agree. And I think that's the hang-up of why it's going to be extra difficult to get through the season 
no worse than like 10 and 2 or whatever. But um or 11 and 1 or whatever number you want to put on that. I yeah, I I, I think that this team is absolutely capable because if there's any coach in college, college football who can win without a defensive coordinator, it's Lincoln Riley. Like there's literally no question about it. Like you have yeah, SC has a bad defensive coordinator. Okay, well, you literally have the best coach in college football for that situation. Yeah. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, that, that's weird to say, but it's it's true, right? Yeah. Um, Obviously, you wish that wasn't the case, but it is the case. And so, um, going forward, SC has the best quarterback for the situation and the best head coach for the situation. Will they be successful? Maybe, maybe not. I think it's going to be a really difficult road, and we, we talked about it last year. Yes, they were literally a two-point conversion away from going the, to the to the playoff, uh, but they didn't play Washington and Oregon last year. Would that have been different if they would play Washington and Oregon instead of Washington State and Oregon State? Maybe. Maybe you can say that they would have lost two games in the regular season uh, against those teams. I, I think that's, you know, it, it's valid to, to, to wonder those things. We'll always wonder... Uh, if SC stops the two-point conversion against uh, Cam Rising going into the end zone, and then they play Washington in the Pac-12 championship game, um, what would that have been like? And I think that one of the big questions, right? Um, but this year they have the opportunity to do that themselves. They have the opportunity to make that happen. They get Michael Penix in three weeks. They have the chance to get them while undefeated, but they're going to have to do that they're going to have to actually win um and the great part about all the struggles that sc has had is it doesn't matter anymore it's just win if you mm-hmm. just win all your games you can win your games the rest of the way they can be the as ugly of a win as possible you will have beaten five ranked teams in six weeks that means they're going to the playoff yeah um do it again would i bet on it probably not yeah um but it's like I said, you have the best ca- best coast for that situation. Yeah. Uh, let's get to a, a message we got in Discord from Sean uh, in Mid-City-ish. I'm going to the game, and it'll be my first time in Notre Dame Stadium. And, of course, I'm really excited. What are the must-do activities, must-eat foods, either at the stadium or in South Bend? Also, with the rankings, the defense, the weather, and Caleb, what percent chance do you think that will be a supremely memorable game, good or bad? And then I'll get to brag, I was there. I think that's a good chance. I don't think there'll be a blowout either way. So I think there's a very good chance that it ends up being like a memorable, I was there kind of moment. Yeah, I I would agree. I think there's a, it's set up to be such a close game that it'll be one of those one of those things. I think it's a lot easier to have an I was there moment if uh, if USC wins, though. So we'll see yeah, how. It could also just be really a really painful I was there. Yes. Um, the, I, I mean, we talked about Caleb having off days. The two worst games he's played at USC, the Oregon State game, the game in which he threw a touchdown pass in the last minute of the game, and <laughs> the Arizona game, the game in which he literally put the team on his back in overtime and... Yes, yeah. <laughs> and uh, won the game that way. So yeah, uh, yeah. I think there's even even if it's not the perfect um, opportunity for SC, I think there's there'll be reasons for you to say that you were there. Um, you and I have both been to South Bend. I've been twice. You've been once. Uh, what was your percep- perception of what to do at uh, in, in South Bend? Well, I think 
I don't know that I saw South Bend. I was. I certainly would recommend getting uh, to Notre Dame's campus. Yeah, and I've never really seen the city. Yeah, because you, the 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 campus is on the interstate, basically. Yeah, so you know, get to campus. Make sure you go to the grotto. Make sure you go see Touchdown Jesus. Just walk around. I think it's always. Mm-hmm. I always really enjoy with an away trip just walking around the campus or the area around the stadium and sort of uh, seeing what it's like. Um, but uh, yeah, I don't know. I, I think that's my must do. I don't. I don't even remember if we ate anything before that before that game. Uh, I I remember going to Steak and Shake after the game. We went to Steak and Shake after the game, which was right on the other side of the interstate, which was a uh, problem. Was it I-94 or whatever it is? Mm-hmm. Uh, never do that. Never do that. We went after the game and it was like a 50-minute wait in yeah. line. It was yeah. horrible. It was not good. Uh, yeah, don't do that. Um, I should say that um, things to do in South Bend, this is not just a South Bend thing, but I like to do this for any sort of road game at any sort of big game. Be there when the team walks into the tunnel. Yes. When the buses are, are coming out or like unloading that is the coolest moment, I think. Yeah. Get you absolutely amped. Um, be there for that. That's It's it's awesome to see that. Especially at Notre Dame because when Notre Dame comes out, they're playing like all the Dropkick Murphy mm-hmm. BS. like, And it's raucous for Notre Dame to come into, into uh, the stadium. And then SC comes in or vice versa. And like... There's just energy going back and forth. It's great. Absolutely do that. Uh, it's fantastic. Um, I've never been to the grotto, but heard great things to to go do that. Uh, the campus is... You didn't go with me? Or you weren't with me when we went to the grotto? No. Oh, so I was just with Trinice. Okay. Yeah, I, probably because I was uh, credentialed for the game yeah, and you, might have you and Trinice to... were in the in the stands. Yeah. yeah. I don't know. I, I, I've never been. Uh, I've... Walking through campus, pretty campus. Uh, the dome is cool. Um, must food, eat foods. Could not like in talking about like game experience stuff like that. That's there at the stadium. It's your standard fare. I can't think of anything. Uh, if you're in that area, I always recommend like finding area things that you can't get at home. Um, yeah. If you're in staying in Chicago. Go to a Portillo's. Go get an Italian beef. Go uh, get some deep dish. Uh, get some tavern-style Chicago thin crust. Whatever it is, right? Um, if you're in South Bend, I don't. I don't know what. I don't know what those things are. But yeah, uh, yeah. Just enjoy the moment. Enjoy the crowd outside. Be there for when the team comes out, uh, and enjoy how tiny the benches are. Yes, it's like a half a cheek bench. So uh, enjoy that. Uh, uh, yeah. Before we move on to other uh, questions uh, that we have in the chat, um, I do want to give a quick update. Uh, USC has Makai Lemon practicing with the defensive backs today, mm. um, which yeah. doesn't bode well for the I, health so of there the was secondary. A clip of uh, Dante Williams suited up with suited the defensive up in, backs yeah, too. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Maybe USC is going to have him run out. Uh, but, you know, Christian Roland Wallace uh, got injured. Um, Damani Jackson has been dealing with an injury, didn't play last week. Uh, and I believe there's some uh, someone else who also picked up an injury. So that's something to watch. And then also um, USC has said that uh, there's a competition at right tackle. Michael Tarquin and Mason Murphy are duking it out. They don't know who's going to start at right tackle. 
So that is something interesting going into the game this week, especially because of the issues that USC had on the offensive line. I like there being competition when there is obvious when there are obvious problems mm-hmm. in a in a in a unit. Uh, so I'm okay with that being a storyline this week. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. Uh, things to keep an eye on. Uh, shout out to Ryan Karchi and Antonio Morales uh, for updates from practice. Yeah, the, the and Times Connor, and Connor and Morse. The Athletic yeah. and USCFootball.com. Yes. Yeah. Uh, all right, uh, let's rapid fire the questions we've got in YouTube. Uh, your five head says, question, road games have been difficult for USC under Lincoln Riley. How important is it to get off to a good start and keep the Irish fans out of the game? I will say I don't know that that's as much as important as it is to finish the second half. SC got out to a big start against Colorado. Uh, they got out to a big lead against Utah. They got out to um, – they were in very much in control in the Arizona game last year. Uh, there were times that they could have absolutely just knocked out UCLA earlier on in the game. Didn't. I don't – I think that that bodes well for SC being able to play – up early, but the question is how do they respond in the second half when the home team uh, gets that second wind and, and gets the, the second wind of energy and all that stuff? Yeah, I think that's a, a really good point. Although I, I will say, you know, Notre Dame's coming off three really tough games, two losses. Mm-hmm. Uh, they, they just came off a really demoralizing fourth quarter loss against Louisville. Yeah. So if you go out there and punch them in the mouth early... Mm-hmm. That could that could really help set you up in this game. Uh, mis- play mistake-free football in the, in the first quarter, and I think USC's chances of winning definitely uh, get better. But as you are 100% correct to point out, that USC has not been winning um, the key quarters in the second half, and that's also going to be key to victory. Yeah, the, the other thing is uh, Notre Dame Stadium is a tough place to play. Things don't always go your way there, um, all those things. But it's not necessarily scary in the Autzen way. Yeah, it's not it's not it's it's, it's not, not necessarily audio. raucous yeah. in in that sense. But Clemson has lost there twice recently, right? Like teams have gone there to die. So uh, and SC knows that more than anybody else. So um yeah, yeah absolutely it's a, it's a thing to be concerned about on the road. Uh, Ron Murray says, is it weird to think that the last time SC won in South Bend was 2011? Or is that just part of us going through Kiffin, Ogeron, Sark, and the Helton eras? It doesn't help that two of the road trips since then were with an interim coach like a week or two weeks after USC did an early midseason firing. Mm-hmm. That's not going to help your uh, <laughs> help help your setup for winning a, a tough road game uh, in South Bend. But it also goes to show that it's very difficult to win road games. It's difficult to yeah. win road rivalry games. Mm-hmm. Uh, so that's why the the home team tends to have the advantage for a good reason. And and you know Notre Dame has run into that same problem where they don't have a great record at the Coliseum recently either against teams yeah. that weren't necessarily USC's best either. So um, yeah. Yeah, I, I think the the way you look at it, the um, twenty thirteen, uh, the twenty thirteen and twenty thirteen SC absolutely should have won that game. 
Uh, Notre Dame had Tommy Reese at quarterback and were not interested in doing anything on offense. Uh, and SC committed a billion penalties, missed field goals too. Should have won that game. Um, 2015 was the first uh, game under Helton. It was a weird situation. I thought they, they had bright moments, but like that's a tough place to take your interim head coach, right? Mm-hmm. Um, 2017 was the blowout loss. Um, I can sit here and say, oh, but what if uh, Sam Darnold doesn't fumble on the first drive of the game? Yeah. And you'd look stupid saying that. So yeah. uh, I'm not saying that, but um, that was horrible. Uh, 2019, I thought SC played well and absolutely could have won that game. And 2021, th- that was just a bad Again, team. an interim head coach. So three of those five losses are with interim head coaches. And yeah. the other one is with uh, Helton, right? Mm-hmm. So yeah, 2017, yeah. Yeah. I, I don't know. I think it's a mixer of both. Uh Jessica says, What is your favorite SC versus Notre Dame moments? There's there's no question. It it can only be one thing. It's it's fourth and nine slash the bush bush. Um it's just fourth and nine. Well, it's it's the whole end of that game because my memories well, of yes, it are but, four, fourth and nine and then the the bush push and the celebrations and the confusion and jumping around in mm-hmm. my fam- in our family friends like living room uh, hurting my ankle because I was jumping around and like <laughs> limping around for the rest of the day but sort of just like on a high like yeah ev- everything about that and then also getting to relive that whole sequence over and over and over again because every year I rewatch the um the Trojan Rewind mm-hmm. of that oh my yeah. gosh yeah it was it just absolutely d- does not get better than that yeah, I. It's it's fourth and nine. Uh, there's three moments in my life, three sporting moments in which I've absolutely freaked out and gone literally running through a house screaming. <laughs> um, one of them was sixteen uh, year old me running through my parents' house for fourth and nine. Yeah. And the reason I say it's fourth and nine, the, not the bush bush, because the game was over as soon as Dwayne Jarrett caught the ball. It was over. There was no way SC was losing. No, no chance. Well, I mean, there was a way that SC was losing if no, Reiner doesn't was, fumble wasn't out of bounds I, and set up okay. like... Uh, there have, were a million ways you, well, USC yes. doesn't I've talked win about that it before. Game. If the grass wasn't shaggier than shaggy... Jarrett scores and then no one goes back and scores the other yes, way. Yeah. I am a full believer that if, the, if, if Jarrett scores on that play, Notre Dame wins the game. But he didn't. Uh, and after that play, uh, there was there was... I had no doubt that SC was winning the game. Mm-hmm. So that's why... Uh, yeah, maybe I'm crazy. The the bush push, but like the fact that USC won the game does help with the lore of fourth and nine. Oh, like absolutely, <laughs> yes, yes. I mean the the Nikel Roby interception against Andrew Luck is a moment that I'll remember forever. Yeah, uh, even in in a game in which SC lost. But yeah, yeah. The other two moments, by the way, Alec Martinez game seven, beating the beating the Hawks. Uh, and then Aramis Ramirez, 2007, home run off of uh, Francisco Cordero. Just absolutely just ki- ethered the, the Brewers' chance to win the, the, the NL Central. Uh, all right. Uh, next question from Steven. Uh, question is, can we win a shootout? I said it earlier. I think if there is a shootout, that only bodes well in SC's favor. So, yeah, here's the thing about a shootout. Um, Notre Dame doesn't want to shoot out any more than, than USC does because that means Notre Dame isn't uh, stopping Caleb Williams. And when it comes down to it in a shootout, 
more often than not, you're choosing between two quarterbacks, and in that equation, I am taking Caleb Williams. Yeah, for for, for sure. I, I 100%. Uh, Relic says, guys, can I say something crazy? SC has held uh, five of the six opponents to 28 points or less in regulation. Uh, I think that kind of feels like, shouldn't that be enough? Relic, I love this I, comment. I it, yeah, it is five. Yeah, five of six makes sense. Yeah. I love this comment specifically because... Of the, the index? This has been going through my head all week. That this is the saving grace of USC's defense. This is the the only nice thing I will say about USC's defense. The only optimistic thing I will say about USC's defense because, as everybody knows, I am just out on the defense. Um, if If it is simply that... USC's defense will give up 10 explosive plays per game and 28 points per game and that everyone good or bad will score that amount which I think is unrealistic but possible I mean then USC can have a really really good season if that's if if this is just if USC's defense like cuz what did we, talk, we we've talked in the past about how like the thing about USC's defense is like they'll get a bunch of havoc plays they'll get a bunch of stops and if they just cut down the explosive plays um, that they give up, that they would, like, you could get away with giving up 20, you know, 20 some odd points a game. Yeah. If the only things you gave up were the handful of explosive plays that you're just going to give up every game. If that is is actually creating that window... Then, yes, but then the, that's then that's I then that's possible. But you've got to stick to it. That's but the thing. Like, yeah, because the thing is, teams like Notre Dame and Washington and Oregon can can have you know seven explosive plays that lead to touchdowns, and all of a right. sudden you've in given up forty nine points. Yeah. Like so, right. that's that's where you're playing with fire there in that equation. But I will admit that I have been thinking about that as a possibility. I am not endorsing it as a reality Mm -hmm. but my my like the optimistic alicia that's just fighting to to i I, I actually think this is a case of optimistic alicia a foothold on anything about the defense has absolutely latched on to what if they just they, they just are just going to give up 28 points to everybody but only 28 points if it's only 28 points they should win every game the rest of the season yes Yes, I do not think that will be the case, but, but I like, you know, yes, but I go back to what we talked about before. It'll be 28 points, but then you are crazy if you don't think that it's 42 against Oregon and Washington minimum. Yeah. And 35 against, well... UCLA 35, UCLA's offense is UCLA is very, UCLA might be the 28 point. But yeah. the problem is UCLA might hold SC to so, under the twenty. Yeah, yeah. So, so that that know. might that might flip it around that way. Um, Ron Murdy says, "Any thoughts about Lincoln Riley's response to questions about the defense yesterday?" I, th- I think it's Coach Big. I think he's going to defend his. He's going to defend his guys. I think at a certain point you just have to expect the coach to defend his guys because otherwise. Yeah. What otherwise what Lincoln Riley is saying in the media is, yeah, our defense sucks. And then everyone's accusing him of throwing his players under the bus. And you just are not going to have coaches do that 
um, the vast majority of them can't get away with it. And the ones that do get away with it are not uh, Lincoln Riley's sort of personality. So, um, well, I think what people want to hear him say is, yeah, Alex Grinch sucks. Like, yeah. yeah, I screwed up by keeping him around, but what can you do? Like, but he's obviously not going to say that. Like, like that's just not realistic. Yeah. Just like everyone wanted, you know, two years ago, three years ago, they wanted Helton to be like, yeah, I, I'm just bad at this. I'll mm-hmm. just resign and take a pay cut. And like, yeah, that, that's not how life works. Um, but yeah, I, I, he's defending his, his, his team and his guys. Um, there's been more annoying ways for guys to defend their players. Like what Dabo does. Yeah. Uh, Lincoln Riley's not doing the Dabo thing. Um, and he's not necessarily doing the Kirby smart thing either of the, uh, yeah, people thought we were going to be six and six. Um, but it's in the line of like, you know, just trying to support his guys in the way of, Optimism inside, whatever it is. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, Quinn says, uh, why has no one pointed out that Caleb has been looking for the big play instead of the play that keeps the ball moving? Yeah, we had on uh, on Discord, actually, um, we had, uh, I'm trying to get the name right so I don't mess it up, uh, uh, Stakes on a Plane, who came in and, and had a really... I thought thoughtful posts talking mm-hmm. about how uh, he thinks that, that Caleb Williams has been kind of greedy and that he's not taking what's underneath and he's not taking the sort of eight yards that, that the defense is giving him if he wanted to just take off and run on every play. Um, and, and I think that there's an element of greediness on the sort of RPO kind of options. And um, it's, it's difficult because you have to balance the reason USC's offense is as explosive as it is is because Caleb Williams hits those plays right. and they are effective. Um, but there there are moments where it would be nice if USC was a little bit more conservative, a little bit more take what the defense is giving you mm-hmm. and, uh, and, and just sort of let it be that. So I think it's very, very valid to point that out that uh, maybe against Arizona that was one of those days where USC needed to recognize a little bit more quickly that they needed to not try to force it at every turn. There were a couple deep shots that have uh, turned into the whole like USC special thing again, mm-hmm. um, yeah. which is if you're new around here, the um, it's having a negative play in the first two plays and then a deep shot somewhere um, that just sort of doesn't make any sense. And then you're behind the sticks for, a third and long, or maybe it's going, throwing a bomb on third and 10, whatever it is, like those sort of situations that end up creating a third, a a three and out. To me, it's the second and 10 bomb. I hate the second and 10 bomb. Uh, That's just me personally. But also if you complete that pass, then no one's thinking about it. But when you, when you don't complete that pass, you set your, you set yourself up in a third and 10 and then Mm -hmm. your odds of converting are lower. Yeah. I don't like those. I don't like those. Uh, but like you said, when, when it hits, nobody complains. Um, I don't like those, but outside of that, I think that Caleb Williams is trying to stay in the pocket because I think that a lot of his progression as a football player is to be the most efficient passer he can be. And he has been this year. He's much better in, in as a cheer passer, because that's, what's going to take us a game to the next level in the NFL. 
uh, is not necessarily just making plays outside of the pocket. I think that's why he stayed in the pocket more. He's tried to throw the ball downfield more. We see this with a lot of dual threat quarterbacks that as they stay in college, they run the ball less because they have more of a um, more responsibility in the pass game. Um, we saw it with with Sam Darnold when he came back his, his second year. All the talk was, oh, we want him to be able to like you know make the play downfield instead of maybe just run willy nilly, mm-hmm. right? So I think that is part of it too. It has paid off in spades for the most part of the first five games. It has not. It did not pay off against Arizona. So yeah, we'll see how that goes. So. Uh, and at a certain point, it did look like Caleb was just saying, okay, fine, I'm just going to run it then. Right. So, yeah. You know. Yeah, for sure. Um, Cam says, would you rather win this game, Notre Dame, or the Oregon game at Eugene? Oh, it's Oregon. It's, it's a thousand Oregon percent Oregon. Because yes. the thing is, this is an out-of-conference game, and uh, when it comes down to it, USC just needs to get a spot in the Pac-12 title game, give themselves a chance in the Pac-12 title game. It and beating also, Oregon on the road is much more important to that. It's also a more impressive win. It's also early, the Oregon game's later, it's later in the later season. later in the season, yeah. 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 If if you're going to be... Let's just put it this way. If you're 1-1 one and one on November 12th, the day after the Oregon game... 11-1, and one, you mean? Yeah. It, yeah. No, if you're... 10 and one after the Oregon game, whatever it is, whatever the record is, right. Mm -hmm. You'd rather have that win against Oregon than against Notre Dame at that point. Absolutely. You feeling better about yourself on November 12th. Yes. Um, Glenn says, uh, will we be taking, uh, talking about uh, USC special teams being special again after Saturday, uh, Notre Dame, not good in special teams. They're like, uh, I had it written down on here in, in our rundown. What, what are they? I thought Where you said it? it was like 125th or something. They're 120-something in kickoff return defense. They're yeah. 81st in SP plus special teams. Yeah, there's... there's They're, they're not great there. Yeah. SC has not been great, especially without Zechariah Branch healthy, but um, I think that could be an area that SC is able to exploit potentially. We'll see. We will see. Uh, anyways, uh, we've got an hour and 48 minutes. This is really long. We've gone really yeah. long. But the good <laughs> thing is people are, you know, they're flying. The Robots are flying out in droves to take advantage of the DraftKings deal where you can bet five bucks and you get 200 bucks instantly if you use uh, 200 bucks instantly in bonus bets um, if you use the code Reign of Troy. And so they're, this means that we've just taken up like half your flight over there. Mm-hmm. Actually, it's it's only like three, three hours and what like twenty minutes of a flight. Yeah. So we've taken up like the more most than of it. Yeah, yeah. like there more than half. And and you know what you should do. It, to thank us for that. Yeah, hit that like button. Hit the like button. Hit that like button. Hit it. Hit it. Go right ahead now. And hit, hit it. it. Hit it. Now. We'll pause. We'll wait, wait. Hold on. Hold on. Go ahead and do it. There you go. Thank you, Adam. Who? Yeah. Yep. <sighs> thank nice. you. I we we saw that and we appreciated it. Yes. We we couldn't we couldn't do it without you. Uh, Tim and Ali says you guys need practice if they make the Pac-12 championship game, and you're going to do a four-hour podcast so we can listen the whole drive. Yes, <laughs> if this is true, if USC goes to the Pac-12 championship game, we can arrange for four hours of podcasting. The 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 downside is there's a potential scheduling issue for us that week. Mm. 
Might make it difficult, yeah. but we'll find a way. I'm committed to four hours of podcasting. I don't know if my co-host is committed to it. Yeah. I'll find a way. We will find yep. a way. Yeah. All right. Thanks, Cam. Cam smashed the uh, the like button. Good job. There yeah. you go. We, Do I see Glenn too? Yeah. There you go. All right. Uh, we will see you guys if you are part of the Rot Squad, where you can get all of our bonus content for four ninety nine a month, including access to the Discord. Then we're going to see you tomorrow night because we'll be back here because that's what we do. We're here four days a week, not just three. We'll be here tomorrow night, 9 p.m. Pacific for uh, Rot After Dark to get you ready for the Notre Dame game, even a little bit more. Um, Or we'll be back Saturday night after the game, right after the game. It's a road game. That means we're right after the game. You're going to watch the game on WNBC, or I guess KNBC. And then you're going to head over to YouTube and watch us uh, in the car cast, we're going to be talking about this game, of course, and probably end up talking about Oregon, Washington, too. Huge game coming up, but uh, only after we talk about SC and Notre Dame, of course. So uh, check us out there. You know how to leave reviews, all those things, all of that. You know all the stuff, all the stuff to do. Uh, so until next time, uh, we'll see. See ya. See ya. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Save big on Brunch for Mom, all in the Kroger app. Get half gallons of delicious Kroger milk for $1.29 each. Then get flavorful Tyson Natural Boneless Chicken Breasts for two forty nine dollars a pound, all with your card and a digital coupon. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today, or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details.